Good morning, everybody. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and we'll begin. God bless us today. Please help us, give us wisdom, uh, give us strength, give us knowledge, give us grace. Help us pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would please turn to the book of Galatians. As Michael just said, it is in fact the New Testament. That's true. Galatians chapter 5. So what I want to do is, uh, so this is following up on last discussion. So last discussion, we talked about the nature of sin, all right? And one thing that we talked about was, um, if you're going to talk about sin and deal with sin, all right, you've got to understand it rightly because if you don't understand the nature of the thing, you might not deal with the thing rightly. This is this is how diseases work. This is how all problems work. You must understand the problem, all right? Um, we talked about it, and there was, as a part of sin, there was an there was a knowledge problem. There was an instructional problem. What you need to know what needs to happen, uh, but that's not the only problem. There was also another problem, which is uh, sin actually corrupts a person, right? And so just giving knowledge to someone who is corrupted is not necessarily going to solve the problem, right? And actually it won't. There has to be something more than just knowledge. So we're going to start building on, on that today. What we're going to do, though, is we're going to just jump into somebody's conversation. All right, we're going to jump into the conversation and we're going to work through it. All right, and um, we're going to see what this conversation has to do with this, and what it can add to this uh, discussion, and move and move beyond it. All right, really move toward a solution. So the the discussion we're just jumping right into is the discussion in the book of Galatians. Now, what is Galatia? You might know. A region. Galatia is a region. All right. Uh, Galatia is a region in northern Turkey. Right? Uh, it was actually called Galatia because a bunch of Gauls came in and settled. Not that this is remotely relevant at all to this, except that, understand, Galatia was primarily, all right, the, the people we're talking to here is primarily Gentile. That is very important for this book. All right? If you don't understand the fact that these are Gentiles, not Jews, all right, then everything everything will be confusing, first of all. So that's our particular context. Now, another piece of this um, is Paul visited, all right, the Galatians at some point in the past before this letter. He founded a church in Galatia, at least one church in Galatia. All right. Now, what was true about this church founding, all right, is whenever he founded this church, he did not tell the Galatians that they had to obey the entire law. He did not, for example, make them get circumcised. All right? This is very clear from the previous part of the letter. Totally read it. You'll see this, this is necessary for this conversation. All right? He did not tell them that, that they needed to be circumcised or that they needed to follow the law. So that was one thing that happened. And then later, some people came in and said, well, that's wrong. You have to be circumcised, and you have to follow the law. In other words, what they came in to say is, 
if you want to be a Christian, you also have to be a Jew, essentially. All right? You must be circumcised for sure. All right? You absolutely must. And this is after Paul had come in and spoken to them and worked with them and, and made no instruction like that to them. All right? And so some people came in, they did this, and Paul then writes this letter in response. All right? Paul is writing this letter in response to Gentiles who became Christians without being circumcised and following the law, but later were bothered by people who said, no, that's not right, and wanted to change it. Okay? And so Paul wrote this letter. So that's our sequence, and that's our context, jumping into this conversation. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take this in small chunks. And the reason why I have you in groups and why I have you uh, lettered, A, B, C, D, E, all right, is uh, we're going to go through this. And um, we're going to go through it small, small bit by small bit, and we're going to try to summarize it, all right? And once a group has summarized, all right, something, uh, as a reward for them, they don't have to summarize something else until somebody, all the other groups have summarized something. All right, so uh, you get to jump on it and be the, the you know, the what the, the A student, all right, mm-hmm. and just show how awesome you are and try to summarize correctly, and then you're then you're good, and everybody else can, will have to get out, right? So, everybody understand? Okay, so we're going to start with Galatians chapter five. In Galatians chapter 4, he had just basically made an analogy between uh, Hagar and Sarah, Mount Sinai, and um, essentially about slavery. All right? In chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, which will be our first section. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So talk amongst yourselves in your group and uh, prepare a good summary. What does this mean? How would you succinctly state what's going on here? This is about the people that came in and said you need to be circumcised. That's a word. Yeah. 
Are y'all ready? By the way, the first group to raise their hand will go first. She hasn't raised her hand. She, she didn't raise her hand, though. So, Okay. All right. Now that we know the rules from now on, our hand must be raised. Well, I'm, I'm going I'm to let Team D go. If you're ready, but I'll, let's give everybody 30 more seconds to talk through it. All right. That's right. Because, I mean, if, if Team D messes this up terribly, it won't count. It's right. all on her. She raised her hand. It's all on us. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about this one. Team D, um, now all other teams listen because you have the opportunity to say uh, no. <laughs> that is not a good enough summary, so no pressure. Let's, let's hear it. So we said circumcision isn't what saves you, God does. And if we believe and follow him, then we're not bound by old rituals like circumcision. Okay. All right. Is this a sufficient summary? Yes. <laughs> yeah, D cannot vote on its own summary. Um, all right, Team A has something that to say. That was not clarified. In the, in the That's true. Look. I can make the rules to go on. I like it a maybe. lot. I like it a lot. I just think that maybe it should be added. God saves you through um, through grace or through faith or something like that. Like okay. putting. Um, Is that here? There's something. And you also said to you know, feel white or feel Oh yeah, don't. Well, you don't have to. Yeah, um, for through the spirit by faith there is something to be weight, and then there was something about grace earlier on. Okay. So. The summary of D, all right? All right, the summary from Team D, all right? Are we satisfied with Team D? A, A does not seem totally satisfied with Team D's summary, all right? E thinks you did a good job. I think I think they did a great job. I just feel like I just feel like adding a couple words would be okay. Not right. not not changing like the construction of the whole piece, just in addition. So so you focused on the positive. Now tell me the negative. What what is definitely not true? All right, here. Team D. Anybody from Team D. It doesn't have to be just Madison. Your your namesake Deanna can also answer. You know, all, every, anyone on the table. <laughs> Kim, anybody, anybody from the team? What was the question again? There's a positive. There's a positive affirmation and, and a negative, negative affirmation here. All right. 
What is being said positively and what is being said negatively? What is true and what is not true, in other words? We do not rely on the law, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You do not rely on the law. So the positive, what's the positive? Short version. Three words. Three or four words. Positive and negative. Any of you from that game. She said God saves us. at this point. What this has to do with our discussion last time, we'll develop it a little bit more and see where this goes. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. All right, I'm going to read it. All right, team, team D, you can chill, but not really. I may call on you guys at any point just to be jerk. It happen. That's how I roll. All right, 7 through 12. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Here's Paul not pulling his punches. Discuss. If a team is ready, they may raise their hand and then claim the opportunity to be critiqued by everyone else. All right, we have distraction here with Team A. <laughs> Somebody fumbled the ball. There's your chance. Yeah. I used to know the there's even a bonus question in this one. It'll be separated from it if you if the team can answer. Well, <laughs> I think the better analogy here is there's been an injury and they're just kind of out of the game. They're sitting. But they might recover for the next round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, when the team is ready, raise your hands. Go back in action. We're back in action, but we're not ready. Okay. Well, nobody's raised their hands, so there's, you know. Okay, we've got Team E. Raise their hand first. All right. I think was that an attempt at a hand raise? I think it was, John. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Let's let's hear a summary. So um, he basically states that uh, the Galatians have been misled and a small misleading will ruin the whole, ruin them all. And he has confidence that the person who misled him will be judged for it. Mm -hmm. And that uh, if he preached by circumcision, which is the law, uh, then why is he suffering persecution? And so that basically means if he is preaching the law, there would be no reason for him to be persecuted. Therefore, he's preaching by faith. Correct way. And um, he prays that this person who's misleading them will not trouble them anymore. Okay. He also states that it's not Christ who is the one. Say that again. He says... The persuasion does not come from the one who called you. It's not Christ who is bringing the confusion if you read his teaching. Okay. Somebody else. It is not Jesus. It is not Paul who's teaching these things. Now, uh, John also included within this bonus question, and he did answer it correctly, which is, um, but if my brother still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? All right. That's it's. Why would Paul be persecuted? All right. Well, it's talking about those. All right, some people are critiquing him and, and saying that Paul's wrong, all right? The assumption is, to understand this, some people must have been saying that Paul was teaching that you had to follow the law, all right? Otherwise, that doesn't make any sense, mm -hmm. all right? Somebody must have been saying that, and Paul's like, no, no, I definitely did not say that. Uh, since we've lost that that bonus question, because you answered it well, Josh E., um, I will ask for the bonus question. Somebody give me a better explanation for the very last sentence. All right. Somebody explain what is he actually saying there? Yes. He, um, he wishes that, you know, not just circumcised, but, you know, totally castrated because it's so bad. Right. Right. It's a Paul. Paul is upset. Right. It's very clear. In this whole letter, Paul is upset. All right. And. Circumcision, all right, is a cutting off of the part of the penis of a male. And he's saying, really, you should just go all the way with this, all right? 
I wish they'd just get castrated. All right? he's, he is, this is not a friendly conversation that Paul is having here. All right? Paul is, no, this is a fight. All right? It's a fight. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a gun to this fight. All right? So, all right, so I think, I think we're, we've, got, we've got now C is off the hook. Thank you, Green. We're Team C as a whole. Uh, now let's go to the next one, all right? And this is shorter, verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. All right. Think about a summary of that. How would you summarize what he's saying there? A and B... Teams A and B are on the spot now. Okay. All right, Team B is going to go. I apologize to not give anybody a real chance to critique Team A last time. That was a mistake on my part. I will give you all a chance to make sure you got your answer ready. We'll give you a little bit more time to think about what this is about. Okay, let's hear Team B's summary. What is trying to be said here? Team B? Uh, freedom to love. And that's, uh, I don't know about summarizing this part, but he just said, I'm not preaching the law, but the law says love your neighbor. And because it's fulfilled, we can. What's our contrast to this paragraph? We don't love each other. We um, destroy each other. It's flesh, spirit versus flesh. The spirit show up in this, in this paragraph? No, but it's obviously in the context. Freedom. So there was love on one side. All right. There was uh, flesh on the other side. All right. What was? What were some of our other contrast words? Anything else you want to throw in? Well, devour. Yeah. I think devour is a good one, yeah. Flesh, devour. Okay. Uh, team A, um, we had somebody who wanted to say something, Team A. Would you like to offer a critique? <laughs> I think I agree, but I would add to like uh, law versus liberty. I think it's a contrast. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there is a there is a freedom, a liberty slash freedom, right? Here. So stay, again, 
to group B. Um, what is the potential problem that he's, that he's talking about with liberty or freedom? All right. What is the problem? On the left side. Uh, well, yeah, you oh. I, I yeah, sorry, you're, you're right, you're right. Thank you. Close points. This whole thing seems really related to the verse, like, shall we say more that grace may abound, heaven forbid. It's like, you're, mm-hmm. you're free to do, you're free because you're not bound by the law anymore, but you're, you're not free to just keep sinning because that's not what you would do if you were actually following the Spirit. And so you're free to love, and like, there's just one thing you need to do. <laughs> it's like, okay, honor so, your neighbors yourself. So you're free, but you're not free. In what sense are you not free? You're totally right. Well, in what sense are you not free? You're not free to sin. You're not free to do whatever you want. You're not free to do whatever you want. Well, hopefully what you want to do is what you need to be doing. Hopefully what you want to do is what you need to be doing. All right? So let's look at uh, Does anybody want to offer a critique and say that there is anything fundamentally unsound and, or unorthodox about this answer? <laughs> No, okay, all right. So, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. All right, so there's liberty, love on this side, there's flesh over there, all right? For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbors yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed, all right? So devour, what does devour mean here? Because clearly we're not talking about cannibalism here. What are we talking about? Yes? Could it mean that um, leading others astray? Because some people feel that once saved, you're always saved, so it doesn't matter what I do, I'm good. But then if you live that lifestyle, you can get others feeling the same way, that you're leading them astray from the love path, the right path. Yes, and specifically, who was, what was the, the, what's he referring to here in terms of leading astray? It's somebody came, showed up, and started corrupting them, all right? And so I read behind this, you've got somebody coming in and starting fights and devouring and causing problems. And so, yes, generally speaking, right, on this side is liberty and freedom to love, not liberty and freedom to corrupt and lead astray, as Kim said. Yes. Now we're starting to develop, all right, I think, but we're not quite there yet. All right. We're starting to develop, okay, if somebody, all right, if somebody needs to be saved from this stuff, all right, flesh, all right, um, we're starting to develop. We're not quite there yet. Let's keep, let's keep going. 16 through 21, we have to put the, the onus here on team A. They have to deliver. So everybody be ready to critique. Okay. Verses, very important. Very, verses 16 through 21, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stop there, even though they're in the middle of a paragraph. All right. I'll give you a, a give you a couple minutes. All right. I want to start to discuss what is going on in 16 through 21, and we will see the answer for Team A here in a second. All right, team, has, team A has an answer. Give you a little bit more time to finish your discussion. Okay, Team A is going to now uh, give us a good summary of of this section. And see the time went off right there. Okay, we said there's a diametrical opposition between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. You are not under the law, so you are free to follow the spirit, but watch out that you do not fall back into fleshly ways. What do you think about that? It's too long. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, cool. Get it too short. No, it's, I, don't, I don't want to steal their thunder. <laughs> well, that's, so you don't want to bite and devour them? Exactly, yeah. I don't feel free to do that. It's going to follow the spirit. Okay, all right. Love, So here is, anything else anybody want to add to this? All right. At this point, all right, we go beyond for sure, for Clearly, we go beyond at this point. Just here's the problem you have. You just don't know things. Let me tell you what you need to do. All right. And therefore, your problems will be solved. At this point, we get to something that's not just instruction for sure. All right. What is flesh? Somebody define flesh for me. 
in Paul. What, he's, what does he mean by flesh? Because obviously we don't mean, you know, just like my meat. He explains it. Okay. Flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. So I like that he gives examples. So those are the works of the flesh, right? Those are what the flesh leads to, all right? And so that's what, it's essentially a nature that's, that, goes, here's, here's what it leads to. What's the first thing? First thing the Ten Commandments start with, idolatry. All right. What's the first thing the flesh does? First thing the flesh does is it makes other gods and puts them before, all right, before, before the one God. All right. And then it goes through a number of things. So for Paul, the flesh is that, going back to that discussion before, before that corrupted nature that we have, and it leads to things. It's not just, oh, you have a corrupted nature, it'll be fine. No, actually, it won't be fine. All right? Because the corrupted nature leads to this, to this, to this, to this, to this. And then, as it ends, verse 21, all right, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right? So the, that, that people have this, this desires of the flesh. They have this flesh nature, all right? You can, you can tell them what they need to do, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you just tell them what they need to do, instruction's not enough, because there is something in them that leads them to this list of things. Maybe not all of these things, in every one entirely, well, that won't be the case, but that corrupted nature tends to lead to those things. So what we need, all right, is something over here, right? So now let's read the next part. 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, think about it. Discuss it for a second. What are the central, what's the central idea here? Discuss among your groups. Okay, uh, Roy wants to give us a summary. Tell us, Roy. Knowing now the works of the flesh, 
hear the works of the Spirit, do these, and fall not back into the works of the flesh. The flesh creates a thing. The Spirit creates a different kind of thing. Notice the contrast, all right? There's a very different, these are very different sets of things. Now, Roy did not focus on the language difference between the works and the fruit, all right? He did not focus on that. Now, if you read, for example, Romans chapter 8, um, it has the very same discussion, and you don't see the word difference, all right? And so, actually, I think, um, I, I don't think we should make too much of the word difference between the two. However, some people often will make something of difference. Anybody would like to comment on that? But the difference between desire and fruit? Yeah, well, works and fruit, in this works case, would be the... Uh, yeah. um, well, I think fruit fruit must be cultivated, but it's not all for you to do either, the way that a work is. Like fruit, you know, you have to tend the garden or whatever, but you can't make the seed or make the, the soil or make the sunshine. So it's partly based on you, but a lot of it is is God through nature allowing you to flourish versus like we, we think it feels like we have a lot more control over a work that we might do. Okay. Did y'all hear that from the back? Okay. Uh, yes, Ron. Show me faith without works, and I'll show you faith by works. Okay. If, there's, if you're living the way you're supposed to, the fruit will be there. So the, the contrast that we normally make is not its not as much of a division as people are emphasize. Agreed. Now, there is an element. Let's talk about some of the elements that, that Nina brought in. All right. This, I do believe, is, is this is a very true in Christian theology, in that um, when we, Ephesians says, all right, that God created good works for us to do, all right? And so uh, both end in works, all right? One ends in a very different kind of work than the other one ends in, all right? And so that's the primary contrast. But we also do understand from elsewhere as well that, yes, both are works, both are us doing it. But also, this one where the works of the Spirit is an outcome of God working within us. And if we stuck with the metaphor, it is God working within the garden to make the fruit grow. All right. I am a, I am a pretty terrible gardener, all right, uh, except for peppers. I'm good at peppers. We have a lot of jalapenos this year. I'm a generally, though, terrible gardener. I think I ate one tomato. All right, it was a bad year. We'll blame it on that. All right, um, there is an there is an actor in your garden other than just you. All right, other than just you, and you can really think of it. All right, because um, because sin is frequently personified personified by Paul. You can think of there is another actor in you when you're not a Christian, other than just your mind. All right, there is a he frequently personifies sin. Sin is your master. Sin is working in you. The way to solve this, all right, must be to get something other than sin to help you, all right? And that is ultimately the spirit to help create and nurture and cultivate new desires. Though the ultimate contrast is, as Roy said, show me your works without your faith, I will show you my works. All right. Well, you say you have faith and I have works, I will show you my faith by my works. 
you show me your faith, your, your works. No, you can't. So therefore, you must have works with us, faith. With that faith. All right. So we've started to get there, but we are out of time. So we must stop at this point. All right. But before we stop, how do you get the spirit? I mean, we, we've got to have this. For Paul, it's indispensable. This whole thing doesn't work unless you get the spirit. How do you get it? Because he didn't say it right here, though it is clear in Galatians. Let's go back and read it. Anybody know? Nobody here knows how to get. It's a gift. It's a gift. How do you get that gift? It's a gift from God. How do you get that gift from God? You ask him for it. You ask him for it. All right? You ask him for the gift. All right? And we have another word for asking God for the gift. It's called faith. Right? When we believe, we ask God for the gift. Give me the spirit. All right? Forgive me of my sins. Give me the spirit. Help me. That's that's how you get it. This is how you this is how you get from this side of things, all right? Over to this side of things. It is through faith. It is through asking. Yes. So did Jesus said, um, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you be given the Holy Spirit when you ask? And he also says, if you ask, he's faithful and just to give it to you. And, yes. And so that's where the faith comes in, because you ask, and then you just trust that he said he would give it. Yeah. So just start walking in spirits. Yes. Two notes. Jesus said, all right, Jesus said, you evil people know how to give good gifts to your children. God is better than you. And he will give, and what's the gift he says there is, he will give the spirit to all who ask him. And now pulling from 1 John, all right, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, if we just ask. Let's be dismissed so we can go next door. Think about this. Cultivate the spirit in your life, all right? Cultivate that spirit. Ask for that gift. This is what you need to live the life that God wants us to live. So let's be dismissed. Catherine, please. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for Sunday and the opportunity to be at church. I pray that you would help us this week to walk in the Spirit. And I pray for our services and for those speaking to us and ask that you would give us listening hearts and listening ears. You're not right, amen.